I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Welcome to News Du Jour. You may be wondering why am I, Annie Bowles, here hosting this podcast? I usually start by telling people I'm a political baby. You see, my parents met working on Capitol Hill. By the time I was two, I had been in my first political commercial and even got lost crawling around the West Wing. Don't worry, Al Gore found me. My family then moved abroad when I was nine, and I attended an international school in Brussels with kids from all over the world. And it is this type of global perspective that I also bring to our show. I graduated from American University after studying political science and art history, as well as interning on both sides of Capitol Hill. I even interned down the hall from where my parents met. I'm now pursuing a professional certificate in journalism from NYU in conjunction with Rolling Stone magazine. I guess I was always that friend in the group who cared deeply about what was going on, not just politically, but also globally. I've often kept my friends informed through high school and even on into young adulthood. So I guess I've always done a version of this show. I'm genuinely passionate about following the news, and I'm here to break it down for you every weekday. We strive to be a calmer space to get your news, or as one listener put it, like getting your news from a well-informed bestie. I'm so glad you're here. So guys, we have a pretty slow, chill end to this week, so there weren't any crazy breaking news stories to update you guys on, except for as I was going to record this. There is apparently a new Hunter Biden case unfolding that has to do with his taxes. We've talked about his taxes before here on the show and his gun charges. So we're going to go ahead and break that down when we have more information. Because again, this story was breaking as I went to record this episode. I was reading everything I could find, but pretty much there are no details other than this case is coming out. So definitely come next week. I'm sure we will have more information and I can break it down for you guys. Stay tuned. So for the remainder of this episode, we're just going to kind of double click on the war in Israel and Gaza right now so that we can really, you know, circle back to some topics that we've wanted to talk about, um, but haven't really had time to dive into. Um, The main two topics I'm going to discuss today are basically why are we seeing the death toll that we're seeing in Gaza and, you know, all the reasoning behind that. And then We touched on this, I believe it was yesterday's episode, that there's a lot going on on college campuses right now. So we're going to dive into some congressional hearings this week where we heard from representatives from Harvard, MIT, and UPenn about 
widespread anti-Semitism on their campuses and kind of check out what happened with that and what's going on on these campuses. Let's dive in. So I do have to issue a content warning. This story involves both war and hate speech. So the Gaza Health Ministry, which for the record is an organization run and controlled by Hamas, says that 15,000 people have died and 6,000 people more are missing in Gaza. The New York Times' analysis stated that the rate of deaths in this war is much higher than that of either the Iraq or Afghanistan war that the U.S. fought. That said, the civilian toll in Ukraine is much higher than that of Gaza, again, according to New York Times reporting. But that war has also been going on for a lot longer. So let's look at exactly what is going on in Gaza and why the death toll is where it is. So there's an obvious number one bullet point answer to this question, but there are two more answers to this question that I want to dive into as well. But the number one is just Israeli aggression. The first factor is simply how aggressive Netanyahu has decided to act in this war. He's choosing to drop massive bombs on very highly densely populated areas. And that is a choice. To my knowledge, the U.S. has never done that, or at least not nearly to this scale, when combating similar terrorist groups, at least not in modern times, not in the past five presidencies, according to the New York Times. The last time that something like this happened would have been the Vietnam War or even World War II. Netanyahu is commanding the Israeli military to do these things, and that is a main factor at play. And I think something that's really important to point out is that not all Israelis agree with Netanyahu's approach to things and how aggressive he's been in this war and every little decision that he's making in it. So this is a factor, and it's something that just can't be avoided in this discussion. But another factor is, of course, the fact that Hamas chooses to hide amongst civilians and not just civilians, but they hide deliberately in internationally protected areas like hospitals and refugee camps. This leaves Israel with few options and pretty much none that would avoid civilian casualties entirely. As the New York Times put it, quote, Hamas is simply not prioritizing Palestinian lives, end quote. And if they aren't, then who will? They are the leadership in Gaza. It simply has to be the international community speaking up at this point. And speaking of the international community, that leads me to my third piece of this puzzle, which is Egypt's Egypt is the other place that shares a border with Gaza, and they are refusing to take people in. And that is a component here because in other wars, it is very natural for refugees to spill across borders in all different directions and for those countries to take those people in, even if it's not particularly convenient. And Egypt is refusing to do that. Egypt's leader literally said the other day, quote, We are prepared to sacrifice millions of lives to ensure that no one encroaches upon our territory, 
end quote. And this is uncommon. It's really important that I emphasize that. No other war traps people into that war zone. And I'm honestly floored by that statement. It was incredibly heartbreaking to me and really hard to understand. But I think where it comes from at the end of the day is a deep understanding of who Hamas really is and what they're capable of. Egypt knows that if they let refugees in, they're going to let Hamas in with them and maybe even bring that war to their doorstep. If you look at other examples, though, of wars overflowing borders, neighboring countries are always taking in those innocent refugees, even when it's not ideal, even when it requires a lot of work. So it's this fear of Hamas that is palpable and costing more Palestinian their lives with every passing day. Meanwhile, Israel continues to gather intelligence about Hamas as it goes. And this can help aid in more specific and targeted fights against this group. And let's hope that it does. Hamas is currently using drones to help them see outside of these tunnels and fight back against invading tanks and ground soldiers. And make no mistake, we don't hear about it a lot because of the Iron Dome, but Hamas is firing at Israel as well. As, and so are other Arab nations surrounding Israel. It's just Israel has really excellent protection put in place. But in the U.S., the conflict is more of an intellectual one, as we've touched on, a question of ethics and moral code. Should we aid in this fight? And if so, to what extent? At what cost? Is there a limit to the innocent lives lost that we must draw in the sand? And on college campuses, when do political opinions cross over into hate speech? As we mentioned at the top, Congress held hearings this week with representatives from Harvard, MIT, and UPenn after widespread anti-Semitic rhetoric on their campus reached the press. What occurred was a bizarre and, for the record, totally unacceptable from our publication standpoint spectacle that left the public reeling. And what was so strange is that they were all able to answer the question, does Israel have the right to exist without hesitation? They answered yes. And actually, I feel like that question may be more directly political. I don't know. But When they were asked if calls for genocide against Jews violated their code of ethics, which states that bullying is not allowed, they couldn't seem to answer that question, which is absolutely mind-blowing. They said they'd need context or it'd have to be against one particular student or that they'd need to ensure freedom of speech. I honestly could not believe my ears. It shouldn't be hard to condemn the killing of an entire race of people. That is probably the very definition of hate speech. Petitions have begun garnering thousands of signatures calling for these representatives' resignations. 
board members of these institutions are cringing and making public statements and holding meetings on the subject. They are in PR crisis mode. This was a bad look for these organizations. And I think it's indicative of why Jews remain so frightened for their safety, not just here in America, but globally. What we heard this week from these representatives of these institutions that are supposedly the finest in our nation was disturbing. There's no other way to put it. I hope it serves as a wake-up call as to why we need to be loud about anti-racism, period, and let our Jewish friends know you will always be safe with us, and that is a promise. And that is the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you guys with the quote, Never shall I forget that night, the first night in the camp, which has turned my life into one long night, seven times cursed and seven times sealed. Never shall I forget these moments, which murdered my God and my soul and turned my dreams to dust. Never shall I forget these things, even if I am condemned to live as long as as God himself. And that is from Eli Wiesel's Night. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use to listen. A rate and review on that platform or a shout out on social media would mean the world to us and help us to be able to keep creating the news du jour and reach more people who need a calmer space to consume the news. But the best way to support all of our work is to become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash sugarfreemedia. And that is also linked in our show notes. You can follow us on social media at newsdujour.podcast on both Instagram and TikTok. You can follow my personal account at It's Annie Bowles on both platforms as well. Any little noises you may hear in the background are my rescue pup. He has a little separation anxiety and always records with me. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from... Oh.